0: Hi, this is Scott Wilkinson, host of Home Theater Geeks. In episode 56, I chat with David Bales about Pioneer's newly announced AV receivers and their tight integration with Apple's iPad and iPhone. Coming up next Netcasts you love
1: from people you trust.
0: This is Twit. Bandwidth for Home Theater Geeks is provided by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This is Home Theater Geeks with Scott Wilkinson, recorded March 6th, 2011. Episode 56, Pioneering Apple. Hey there, Scott Wilkinson here with UltimateAVMag.com and HomeTheater.com. This week's guest geek is David Bales, manager of product planning at Pioneer for their audio products. Hey David, welcome to the show.
1: Hey Scott, thanks for having me, glad to be here.
0: I'm certainly glad you're here. Those who are tuned into the uh, live video stream at live.twit.tv or logged into the chat room at irc.twit.tv can post questions for David and I'll pass on as many as I can. Now today is quite special actually because David is up in San Francisco Uh, at a Pioneer press event announcing the latest generation of Pioneer AV receivers and how well integrated they are with Apple products.
1: Why don't you give us the overview, David? Sure. Thanks, Scott. Um, Yes, we're here in San Francisco. Um, It... uh in Apple's backyard, so to speak, um, and you're right. Um, over the last six, seven years, we at Pioneer on the audio side have, have really tried to make uh, extra efforts to be compatible with this new portable phenomenon uh, known as, you know, the Apple iPod, the uh, the iPhone, and and now the iPad. Um, this year's uh, 2011 pioneer line of AV receivers um, takes it to the not- uh, next level really and um, while we're iPod, we're iPhone and now iPad compatible with this line of receivers, um, we've also uh, incorporated some network functionality uh, that allows the Apple consumer to really go to another level of, um, of um, getting to their iTunes library and sharing it to their home theater system through a Pioneer receiver. Mm-hmm.
0: Now I remember I have uh, a pioneer receiver, actually, with one of the very first ones with an iPod. It's not really; a, it could be a dock, but it's really a, just a cable, um, and uh, and that's very convenient. But one of the things that isn't so convenient about it, and and I'm sure you've addressed this by now, is, this is several years old now, is that you can't. You have to control the iPod from the receiver. The iPod's uh, display. Is completely disabled. Uh, I, I hope you've uh, fixed that by
1: now. <laughs> that's interesting you bring that up. That's great. Um, we have and um, as Apple enthusiasts ourselves we really realize that it's very difficult to pry that iPhone iPad nowadays out of our hands. Um, so once connected with um, a Pioneer receiver which by the way we don't require a dock um, we put the cable in the box, uh, you're ready to go from the minute you bring that, that uh, Pioneer receiver home uh, mm. for audio and video from your, from your iPhone, iPod, I, uh, uh, iPad. Um, but to your point, we do. Um, we put a button right on the front of the receiver that allows you to say, hey, give control back to the iPad, iPhone, uh, let me pick my songs or playlist um, right from the uh, Apple device then set it down and, and, and uh, go on with your listening. You had mentioned that um, when connected to the receiver, um, that we lose control of of the uh, Apple device and, and you're forced kind of into the on-screen display uh, and the remote control that comes with the receiver. Uh, and, and it's funny you mention it because we, um, we really notice that ourselves. Um, as Apple enthusiasts, it's, it's hard to even pry the device out of our hands sometimes. You're just constantly <laughs> wanting to play with it and uh, change songs. Um, so we fixed that. There's a button on the front of the receiver. Um, as soon as you're connected, you can, you can control it with our remote uh, on screen, uh, or you can take control back to the uh, Apple device and pick your songs, track, skip, um, do everything you need to do right from the device. So that, that's been solved.
0: Great. I'm really glad to hear that. Um, <laughs> now, what about, um, you, you mentioned earlier integrating with iTunes and, and sharing your content. Uh, what have you got going on in that regard? Right.
1: Well, as you said, we're here in in San Francisco. We're at a really nice hotel, the W, up here in uh, in uh, right downtown. Um, we've got our um, uh, our favorite press folks are up here running through on demonstrations and presentation right now for four new receivers. Um, all of them, at some form or another, completely uh, uh, compatible with I. Uh, Apple devices in one form or another um, really beginning with a, an entry-level receiver were <clears throat> excuse me Bluetooth ready um, so with an, um, an accessory device you can go wireless with your um, with your Apple device right into your home theater system um, you step up from there and we include a cable within the box uh, for audio and video control uh, and and uh, uh, playback from your Apple device. And then as you move up to the top piece, um, uh, we have Ethernet capability that's going to allow you to uh, network, share your iTunes library to your home theater system. Um, This is called AirPlay. And AirPlay is embedded technology in the AV receiver. Um, So this is extremely exciting because while we've, we've had certain levels of Apple compatibility in the home theater through our receivers, um, we're really at a, another level now where uh, you're completely wireless. And, and as a product planner, I look at it three ways, uh, connection, content, and control. Uh, you can get one, and you, you don't have the other two. In this case, we really have taken care of all three in that uh, you're wirelessly connected through your home network, You've got all the all the music content uh, on your iTunes device ready to go through your home theater receiver, and you've got control of all that from your Apple device if you wish, as we discussed earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, So we really feel like this is a this is a uh, you know real transition time um, with network capabilities. the, the huge explosion in in uh, iTunes uh, out there where it, it's it's really the number one music source for many people, if not most these days, uh, at least in some form or another. Uh, and then to give them that kind of access and compatibility through a Pioneer receiver is, is very exciting. Yeah, it really
0: sounds uh, it really sounds great. I can't wait to uh, to try these things out.
1: Are you uh, looking? Are you watching the chat by any chance? I I cannot see the chat. Well,
0: I can can read it back to you. Uh, One of the questions is, uh, Pioneer showed off a new media server project at uh,
1: Cedia 2009 called ETAP. What happened to that? Um, Wow, ETAP. It just didn't quite make make the wave, so to speak. Um, It it really had the correct... um, uh, approach in that audio and video and all of your media in one place um, uh, connectivity uh, to the home theater uh, and, and at, we felt like very good uh, graphic user interface and control um, I think a little bit in in the price point um, and and Technologies that we're talking about here today, where we're seeing AirPlay, uh, DLNA 1.5 um, technology trickling down to some very aggressive price points, and then in the TV market as well, where um, we're seeing network product um, um, with your Pandora's and your Rhapsodies and all of your other um, uh, media sources are are becoming very standard. Um, what we, what we think now really is that the AV receiver is very well equipped to be that source of, of entertainment. It, it's always been where you connect your devices, and now just because they're coming off the Internet or being streamed through your home um, or shared from a, a NAS device or what have you, um, uh, the AV receiver might be the, the appropriate hub for that. The idea behind that technology is still very much in our product planning minds, um, and, and I think it dovetails quite well into what we're doing here with um, our AV receivers, um, uh, an airplay technology that I discussed as well as, um, you know, DLNA and file sharing, all mm-hmm. the services out there. Um, um, so, we directed our attentions a little bit more towards the AV receiver, embedded what we learned with that digital library into um, into um, the AV receiver category. Uh, it doesn't mean that we won't or aren't uh, looking at a separate um, uh, media device uh, of some sort, um, but we're going to have to stay on top of the curve here and, and make sure it's got everything it needs for uh, that next generation of um, uh, new media. Right. In, in,
0: now, uh, Reverb Mike uh, followed up on on that with a question. Uh, is there any storage in these receivers, at, like for MP3 files, or do they go out, they don't have any local storage, but they go out and get something on a NAS or another computer connected to the uh, network?
1: Right. Um, no local storage yet. Um, never say never. We'll, we'll see about <laughs> that. But... Uh, you know, there's so many ways now to get that content into the AV receiver via USB. Um, like I said, every model in our lineup now is Airpl- is um, um, Bluetooth compatible. Um, so if it's on that smartphone or or on that that pad, um, we're ready to go to share that content. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think really what we noticed over the last couple of years, and as we continue to try and stay on top of of bringing the Apple experience. And lifestyle into our world uh, is that um, we're covering a lot of, if not most of, the bases um, by just allowing easy connection, easy content, and easy control of the system through the Apple device. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for storage in the receiver, obviously that's that's a, would be quite a um, uh, what would we call a chassis change. Uh, we'd have to completely redesign the car, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, to so accommodate our hard disk could fit in there. Right. And, and it's not to say we can't do it, we couldn't do it, or that we haven't even prototyped that type of thing, uh, but to bring it to market, not quite ready for prime time.
0: Sure, of course. Um, uh, did you? Just, I've forgotten if you've mentioned the price points of these uh, new
1: receivers. I did not, and I'm, I'm remiss. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> we are starting at a... Um, with a VSX-521, and all of these models I'm about to mention are on our website ready to go. You can take a look at We've got um, videos uh, explaining what we're doing, um, um, all the collateral material ready to go. Uh, mm-hmm. But a VSX-521 starting at 249, um, fully Bluetooth compatible. Um, all of your, um, you know, Dolby and DTS high-definition surround modes. Uh, we've included the microphone to room calibrate uh, in that model. Uh, the step from there is a VSX 821 uh, at um, 349 um, adds USB input, uh, cable included for your iPhone, um, and now iPad compatible, which was um, a little bit tough because that is to charge that iPad. Um, there it goes. Um, is to charge, uh, and that required a whole new USB device. Um, mm. So we did that. Took care of that. So at 3:49, you're ready to plug your iPad into your AV receiver, get complete audio and video. Um, the step from there is 4:49, and we go to 7.1 channel, uh, VSX 921. So the what, previous two are 5.1, correct? Correct. Sorry. Um, and then video scaling and conversion to HDMI with the VSX 921. Okay, and that's um, a four, 450 bucks. $450, 449 mm-hmm. And then uh, top of the Pioneer line is a VSX-1021 at $549. Uh, and here's where things really get interesting. Um, uh, this is an exciting receiver. At this price point, the feature set is just incredible. Uh, with the Ethernet port, uh, AirPlay technology, as I discussed, sharing that iTunes library through your AV receiver, um, uh, DLNA 1.5, uh, so, uh, sharing of other formats um, mm-hmm. through the receiver, through your home network, uh, streaming capability, um, uh, and then a couple other really cool little things we've added. Um, I'll start with one that is our new iControl AV2 application, um, all free on um, in the App Store. You can go to them right now. They're ready to download. Um, and, and there's demo mode, so you don't need our product yet to be able to check them out. Mm. Um, but That's one cool. of them being iControl AV2 as a replacement of last year's iControl um, is ready for the iPad, uh, and it's super cool. It's completely redesigned. It's going to control every aspect of the AV receiver uh, or one of our uh, network-capable Blu-ray players, um, and with just all kinds of fun features, to. Um, uh, to control your sound, to control your inputs, uh, to manage your airplay, uh, to manage your DLNA, or uh, is V-Tuner built in for um, Internet radio, uh, control your radio stations <clears throat> right from your iPad. So in other words, the iPad or iPhone uh, or
0: <laughs> iPod Touch, I guess, becomes a remote control for the receiver and for the
1: entire system, right? Well, it's it's going to control our, our receiver and our Blu-ray player Um, network control of other devices, other manufacturers, not, not yet. Um, Mm. never say never there, Uh, Mm -hmm. but to control your AV receiver. Absolutely. Got a bunch of
0: questions in the chat room here. Um, uh, for example, uh, Virgil asks, do the pioneer AVRs, can the, can the firmware be updated over an ethernet connection? And I guess that would only apply to the 1021 since that's the only one with an ethernet connection, Right.
1: Right. Right and yes, um, um, firmware can be upgraded um, through the Ethernet um, as well as through our USB port at that price uh, at that model level.
0: Mm-hmm. And do the other ones, so the lower models, have USB? I've forgotten.
1: Uh, yes, now the uh, 821 and 921, 349 and 449 price points have USB input, uh, front panel input. So, so you yes. could
0: you could up, uh, upgrade the firmware that way with a USB memory stick or. Maybe software from a computer connected via USB. It is possible, yes. Mm -hmm. What about the multi-room capabilities of these receivers?
1: Multi-room for this lineup starts with the 1021. Um, It's a two-zone receiver, um, ready for audio and video, composite video, um, an RCA2 channel. You can control those second zones from our app, our iControl AV2 app, um, which is dedicate one dedicated for the iPhone, another dedicated for the iPad. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yep, you can you can uh, go to a second zone uh, at that price point. Um, so only the, the, only the only the
0: ten twenty one at, at five forty nine, right? Right, right. Uh, is that second zone HDMI or uh, in terms of video or only component or S video or how
1: does that work? No, it, it's a composite video out for second zone. Um, ah. You have to go. HDMI for Zone 2 is um, uh, a bit of a challenge, actually, because of uh, copy protection, the rest. Um, that's a completely separate video processor you're going to have to put in there to to separate the two sources. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's something we are working on, but it's it's not as easily said, uh, done <laughs> as said. So getting high-definition content to the second zone is pretty standard for us uh, at our mid-level elite. Uh, and as far as what we're going to do next year, um, let's talk again in June.
0: <laughs> yes, because do, you, do, you do have the Elite line coming out in May or June, and certainly I'll be interested to find out about that as well when
1: the time comes. Right, right. Well, you know, you, you can see, you know, with what the technology that you're finding in the 1021, obviously will find its way into Elite, uh, and then some. So, um, sure. you know, I, I mentioned to talk more about what we're up to, but I've got to tell you, what what's going on with this? Um, with this lineup we're launching here, uh, again, uh, if for the vast majority of consumers out there, when you look at, at, at the price points that people spend for an AV receiver, to get this amount of technology is, is really extraordinary. Um, and, and with all the buzz going on about the iPad especially, uh, mm-hmm. to have full AV capability um, right out of the box at a, a 349 price point is actually pretty extraordinary. So,
0: uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, that 349 price point and these lower price points that we're really talking about here, uh, you, you, Pioneer, I mean, and dealers are, are all operating, I think, on pretty thin margins, aren't they?
1: Um, well, yeah, it's, it, it is not a whole lot new, though, in the AV receiver business. Um, um, margins start out where they start out at launch we we hold up um you get Mm -hmm. into the selling season and um uh you know things happen from a promotional standpoint at the retail level and then we typically have a closeout time um the thing about our business that i think is healthy in that in that way is that um we almost every year have something new and cool out the next year uh, sure that it's a trick for us to transition smoothly so that inventories, both in our barn as well as at the retail level, uh, transition, and we bring the new product in. And and we typically do a pretty good job of that so that, um, you know, uh, closeout time, you know, uh, you get the latest, greatest receiver from last year at at an aggressive price. Um, The margins Mm -hmm. are thin for everyone. Um, but we're really more than happy to do it in that, you know, we're ready to launch and sell the new stuff. Sure. Um, so the business model for the AV receiver category is is actually quite healthy. Um, I know everyone's thinking of the, how the recession, ha- you know, hit this category. Um, but it, it, I, don't, I don't understand it. In a way, we we played a bit defensively here. Um, but the category is up sig- significantly wow. over the last couple of years. Um, and and ours is up double what the industry is Wow so yeah so we're you know we know a couple things we know 3d compatibility and HDMI 1.4 a um, um, and then we can't put our finger on it other than this Apple compatibility that we've been uh, working towards over the last six seven years it's gotten to the point where it's it's just something that once consumers realize we have it uh, and we have it better than the other guy which is our job. Um, <laughs> it's working out for us, and we're selling a lot of receivers. We're we're quite pleased with the business. Um, yeah. And and again, that's why we're up here in San Francisco. We're real pleased with um, Apple's uh, AirPlay technology and being able to embed it in the product uh, and get that iTunes released from your headphones and released from your, uh, you know, from your computer and share that seamlessly in your home theater system. It's 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 a big one. Sure. What about sharing photos? Uh, can you do that like from iPhoto as well? Um, for the AV receiver embedded AirPlay, it's music only. Mm-hmm. Um, from our connection, USB video connection, yes. You can share, uh, you know, set up a photo slideshow um, uh, with music. And that's, that's pretty standard. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Been doing that for a little while. Right. Exactly.
0: Um, Got a couple questions about the uh, audio outputs of these new amps. Um, uh, The 1021 has multi-room, so I assume that it's got a little multi-room audio as well. Is that amplified,
1: or is that only line level? Uh, It's line level. So you need an amp
0: in the remote room.
1: Correct, if you wanted to go the line level. Now, um, with the 7.1 receiver, we can assign amplification to the second zone and control volume. Uh, and amplify it and control volume from the main uh, system if you go speaker level out. Mm-hmm. Um, I- I'm thinking the question is pre-out discussion, uh, and yes, we, we would, you would know, set it up with a set of powered speakers uh, or an outboard amplifier, basic custom mm-hmm. kind of job. Right.
0: Another question is, uh, do these low-end receivers... I'm low-end, I, I don't use derogatorily. <laughs> I hope you understand.
1: <laughs> Value-added,
0: how's that? Uh, Value-added, yes. Inexpensive uh, uh, receivers use, quote, chip amps or discrete transistor outputs.
1: And oh, this, gets to quest-
0: this gets to a question that I was going to ask you about Class D versus oh, Class AB. Okay. So why don't you answer that question first, and then we'll, that'll serve as a launching pad for us.
1: Okay. Well, first, let's fix the chip thing. Um, Mm -hmm. The chip amp? No, Uh, we're A B uh, class uh, class A B transistor switching amp. You know amplifiers. uh, we call them direct energy. They're pioneered through and through. We've had this design for a long, long time. Um, it's a miniaturization kind of a direction in the uh, short signal path. That's the theme of our engineers for amplifier design in the AB, uh, thus the name direct energy. Um, we build them, and essentially we had built them in three different chassis, um, uh, value added. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we have a mid-level chassis, and then we have our upper-end chassis. Um, what we're launching now in the Pioneer brand are, um, you know, regardless of the numbers you may see out there, and, and we'll post all the different kind of amplifier specifications just to, uh, um, largely in response to what retailers want um, to see, uh, but 20 to 20 hertz, FTC ratings are about 80 watts by 5, 80 by 7. Uh, the 1021, we got a little more juice out of that guy this year, and it's a 90 water, mm-hmm. um, uh, the numbers that you would typically see at retail are going to be the FTC number with a 1K, uh, and you'll get up to 110, 120 watt by 5 or 7.
0: Now, that's uh, that's at a single frequency of 1 kilohertz, and you're talking about right. a, a, the range from 20 hertz to 20 kilohertz, right?
1: Right, and that's really the way to look at an amplifier's performance—is how it would would perform in uh, full bandwidth frequency response, 20 to 20. So you'll see that spec on our website always. You'll see it in our owner's manual. Um, But a 1K spec is not a bad one to understand what um, the amp could do. You know, at a 1K, um, give it some volume. um, You know, it's going to move some air. That's that's not a small amplifier when you think about what amps you know, had, had been able to do in the past when 50 Watts was big. Mm, Yeah. So it's amazing.
0: Sorry, I was going to say, certainly, um, you know, tube amps are, if, if a a tube (laughs) amp is 50 Watts, that that's huge. But another thing about another related issue there is that these days with speakers having a sensitivity in the 85 to 90 DB per watt range, I right, mean, if you feed that right. speaker one watt, it's going to output 85 or 90 dB, which is too loud for me, that's for sure.
1: Sure, sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, um, you know, the, the, having a bunch of watts, uh, to me, doesn't... Well, there is a reason to have a high wattage output. And you and I were talking about this before the show. Why don't you reiterate what you said to me then?
1: Um, yeah, power and again thinking in terms of 20 to 20 uh an 80 watt amplifier um a typical um you know home theater setup of speakers they're probably rated (laughs) you're in a hotel room and your phone just right it's crestron (laughs) oh
0: it's crestron well yeah
1: i hope you can call call him back <laughs> um sorry. yeah go ahead. No, you know, this good just good old audio. Um you know, it, it's not about volume, it's not about, you know, eighty watts and how loud will that get, although you know, we want to make sure it can get uh, loud enough at at um um but but it's the quality of the sound I, I like to think of it in terms of of just harnessing electricity to recreate sound that that's the trick and there's always uh, you know a potential for a weak link uh, in the amplifier section the preamp section the speaker wires the uh, no telling where that problem could be uh, but the first place you want to make sure the electricity is under control uh, it's nice and clean it's 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 amplifying that waveform correctly um you know the the higher the wattage really the better um, in the case of um, uh... for our mid-level chassis for example um, uh... we're not really talking about that here at this show these are these are our value-addeds but as we go up into the higher wattage range uh, for pioneer we go to 110 twenty to twenty and that's a significant boost uh... in power and potential fidelity uh, as you go up in volume mm-hmm. uh, one of the analogies I think we were talking about was, you know, it's like a car. Um, um, you know, there's there's smaller chassis out there, there's smaller engines out there. There's you know uh, four cylinder, six and eights, and they'll all go eighty miles an hour, ninety miles an hour. Um, right. But but as you know, you get into the bigger car, you get into the bigger motors, um, you get a smoothness, you get a, um, a less work to create a uh, the same amount of energy, and, and that's what it's about. So. Right. For most people or many people, um, you know, an 80-watt Pioneer receiver, as, as we're launching here, is going to be fine, more than enough. Uh, and then there's another level of performance that as you go up, we we really, you know, every year we have to decide whether it's kind of, and I hate to, I'm not taking away any of the value of um of something other than build quality uh, but in the business we all call it you know the bells and whistles uh, is it a bell and whistles year or is it a, a mechanical year and mm-hmm. um, what's really fun about this year is I think we got a little bit of both we got a lot of new cool technology uh, as well as um, uh, improved amplification and sound quality from a mechanical standpoint and, mm-hmm. and that's a good thing we like to see that that you know every year unfortunately that's not always the case
0: I always like to think of amplifier power as, um, uh, if you use a little bit, you have a lot, you have 100 watts say, but you're only using the first 10. The amplifier, as you said, isn't working very hard. It's operating in what we call its linear range. And so there's distortion is going to be lower. Um, The waveform is going to be more accurately uh, represented. Uh, And so I agree with you that uh, having more power is generally a good thing, uh, even if you never use it.
1: Right, right. Uh, Yeah. You know, most people listen at fairly moderate levels, but, um, you know, we all do it. You you have friends over, you're at a party, and and you want to turn it up. You just want right. to show off sometimes and um <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that's one of the things we really want to make sure at pioneer and and that's that's just been part of our DNA forever is um turn you know turn it up and make sure it sounds good mm-hmm. um there's there's a certain volume level where the room and this and the system come together um you know and this goes into room calibration and the m c a c c uh, uh uh, DSP technologies that we're using these days to, um, to tame the sound, to fit the room. Um, Uh, but beyond that, just, just volume, good quality audio, uh, whether it's two channel or multi-channel, it's, it's, um, it's all about how can that thing perform when you really get it going and, um, you know, you're playing it nice and loud. So,
0: now, uh, this, uh, the, uh, your, your reference to M-A- MCACC is a, a chat room question that I want to get to in just a moment. But first, two other questions that occurred to me a- and also in the chat room. Uh, are all the, channel, all the amplification channels in these new value-added receivers the same <laughs> wattage, or are the surrounds, do they get less?
1: Um, we're the first guys to do equal power, all five, all seven channels. And, and that's, that's the same now. Um, you, you, uh, it's a must. If, if you're in a full-blown 5.1, 7.1 surround system with DTS-HD master audio coming from that new Blu-ray disc, you don't know what you're going to get in what channel, and they all have to be prepared to handle anything. So equal power uh, and linear power across those five or seven channels is, is critical, which Excellent. really leads into that Class D discussion you were uh, going to ask about. Um, yes. Go right ahead. I uh, uh, very excited by that technology. Once again, uh, kind of moving me into May, uh, June, uh, uh, 2011 elite. Um, but aside from what we've been doing with our class D amplifiers on our high end, um, that that's a, that's a key question because um, equal power at 130, 40, 50 watts uh, that these guys can handle um, when you all channel. What we call all channels driven, which is a spec a lot of guys like to look at in in the trades more than really in the uh, anywhere else. But it, it's popping up more and more. How can this receiver handle, um, you know, all five or seven channels when they're all being driven full blast? And that's one of the big benefits of the Class D design for um, for our receivers. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they're more linear uh, at at uh, all channels driven, um, and and. That is, again, just one of the biggest benefits of the Class D amp design that we'll be talking about in this summer.
0: Right, which, which are not in these uh, value-added no, amps. Not yet. Not, not yet. yet. Okay. Um, uh, so are your specs at all channels driven as well as 20 hertz to 20 kilohertz?
1: We'll start posting those more and more as we get... Uh, closer. It's an area of discussion we like to talk about on the high end. Again, on the in that uh, where our Class D amplifiers reside, um, all channels driven with our AB amplifiers is is it's key to keep them linear. So um, the numbers drop significantly when when you do drive all channels. Mm-hmm. Um, so the consumer gets confused. They don't know really what. What we're looking at um, it scares retailers a little bit that consumers aren't going to be excited about you know thirty forty fifty watts all channels driven uh, mm-hmm. in an AB amp design. Um, so I don't think any of the manufacturers, including us, have really gone down that road. It's not as real world as most uh, as people might think. Uh, you're really never going to be driving a hundred watts uh, into all five channels, um, although you might. Um, mm-hmm. And,
0: well, we do uh, that it, in our uh, testing at home theater on on receiver reviews. We we do test all channels driven That's as right, well as as well as two channels, and we find some in some cases that amp power drops significantly, like majorly, Absolutely and not. in other cases not, which is kind of surprising yeah. that it's it's not able to
1: be more uniform across different manufacturers. <clears throat> right. Well, we have to design these amplifiers to do, uh, you know. Uh, you almost have to protect the two channels to a certain extent stereo is the ftc rule Um, that's what we measure the left and right Um, the capability of the center and surrounds to to go up to that power level of the left front left and right uh, is the trick and Mm -hmm. uh, different manufacturers approach this differently for us we want uh, in all channel driven mode uh, regardless of what the number may turn out to be uh, for them to hold up and maintain linearity that's that's key for us mm-hmm. um, so we're not afraid of okay you know we drove the Pioneer multi-channel wide open uh, and, it, and it delivered you know these numbers um, when you compare that to the other guys I think what you'll find is that um, their two channels will, will hold up but they're their effect channels will fall apart Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. and I'm not naming everybody I'm just saying that is somebody and and everybody's got different chassis and different levels and it varies on on where they're gonna put the emphasis as Um, we've
0: seen in our reviews absolutely
1: right you have and you guys are a a key part of what uh, you know we realize that you you're interested in these specs um, your readers are interested Um, we've always been interested in it and understood it it's just um, it hasn't equated out to the real world and 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 in something the consumer has really picked up on. And in, in, and again, at this level of of product, uh, it, it's a little bit beyond what most consumers are, are going to be interested in. At the high end level, where our class Ds now reside, um, it it's a key it's a key story, I think. So we'll sure. spend more time on that next
0: year. Yeah. Well, a few months from now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, you mentioned the FTC rules, and uh, uh, F-Loop in the chat room uh, writes that he still doesn't understand the new FTC rules for power specs on
1: home theater amps and receivers. Can you help him out? Sure. Um, There are no new rules. Uh, (laughs) The 1974 amplifier rule is pretty much in place Um, at that time. Nobody knew what home theater multi-channel sound was, so um, the, the 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 rule really boiled down to its basics is uh, a manufacturer will say how many watts those two channels are, uh, give it a number at what impedance and what is the THD for that condition? Total harmonic distortion. Uh, total harmonic distortion. So we're required to to divulge those three things. Mm-hmm. Um, we can say twenty twenty we can say one kilohertz, we can say six ohm just as long as when we put them all together um you you get a picture of what the amplifier can do. Mm-hmm. We always do twenty twenty um, It's only been in the last decade or so that one kilohertz has picked up um but but it's been a spec that's been around forever mm-hmm. um, and then. Um, the only other real amendment to the rule has been more on the retailer side uh, with what they have to divulge. And they really don't have to post anything about THD um, or ohm load. They can rate hmm. the power. They, they can post the power because it really is up to us, the manufacturer, uh, to give that uh, that number. 80 watt, 90 watt, 110 watt, whatever it, it may be. Sure. Uh, so as long as we stay within the conditions uh, and give our retailers all that information, it's up to them to um, pass it on to the consumer if they wish. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they don't, they, they can just give them the, the, the wattage number. Well, that seems kind of bogus if you ask me. <laughs> well, well I, I, the, you know, the, the consumer can be assured that we're staying within the guidelines of the FTC rule when uh, you're talking about a lot of retailers now like to say total system power, so they'll add it all up. And to, oh. you know so 100 watts per watts. channel
0: times 5 is seven, 600 yeah. 500 watts
1: right right so that's a very common way of describing you know what what uh, what the capability of that AV receiver may be
0: and and that's pretty accurate it's
1: fine um i sure. think the consumer gets a pretty good understanding of this one's got more power than that one um, every yeah, now and but then i'd sure conditions rather than i'd sure up. rather
0: them understand that that if, if they don't have equal power for example as i know pioneer does uh, advocate and rightly so in my opinion um, yeah. you know they they can't they can't know that just from a single sum no, of true. all the power coming out of all the channels
1: yeah and and really the, the reality of it is it's equal power potential per channel mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. the the left and right stereo channels are going to take you know uh well, depending on what you're listening to and what mode you're in, um, you know, eighty percent, ninety percent. Then you go into five channel stereo, and um, you know, the whole system's really kicking. So, yeah, yeah, you know, are are any uh, of these uh, receivers THX certified? No, no, not in the Pioneer line. Um, we move into Elite for THX certification, both Select Two Plus as well as Ultra Two Plus as you go mm-hmm. up our line.
0: Right. Now you mentioned MCACC, which I wanted to make sure we get to. Uh, SoCalRay uh, asks if there have been any improvements to this uh, <laughs> algorithm over previous versions. And we first of all, I want you to tell me what MCACC stands for because I can't remember. It's uh, it's the it's Pioneer's proprietary automatic room correction algorithm. Right. It takes it plays a bunch of test tones or test noises in each of the speakers, has a microphone sitting out there, and it then automatically compensates for standing waves and reflections in the room and optimizes the sound of the receiver for
1: that room. What does MCACC stand for? Well, you hit it, that, that's the idea. Um... First of all, I have to put my marketing hat on and, and say that Pioneer was the first manufacturer to put that microphone in the AV receiver box. Mm-hmm. Um, MCACC originally, I, I think I was there. Um, <laughs> it's multi channel acoustic, the C at the end of acoustic calibration. Ah, okay. Multi channel acoustic calibration. Um, The philosophy behind our um, in-house MCACC calibration system is very simple. It is one sweet spot. Uh, We think it's, you know, right here. Uh, (laughs) Right right between the eyes. Right between the eyes. It's all about stereo imaging. It's all about um, level, uh, sound levels, um, distance, time alignment, uh, and just uh, really classic acoustic science. we do not believe in a multiple in in a wide sweet spot Um, we we're not a um, i'll use the terms i hear out there with other systems as fuzzy logic Um, this is very uh, straightforward Uh, we measure for uh, distance time level uh, and then lately uh, over the last four or five years we've been working on phase phase is a problem because as we moved out of the two-channel world into that point one world of the subwoofer, um, everything got out of phase. There's, there's filters going on in the receiver. There's filters in the speakers between the crossovers. Uh, and then there's filters going off into the subwoofer. Um, and so sound is just really out of phase in that home theater environment. Uh, so we addressed that a few years ago. We have a couple levels of phase management uh, in our system. Um, we really are the only out-of-the-box system that... Um, that really addresses time alignment uh, and what we call 3D calibration, mm-hmm. so that um, um, boy, um, the various frequencies as we're working our way through um, the calibration are are all measured in time. So mm-hmm. um, reflections are going to happen in different places uh, depending on the room and the speaker layout. Uh, so our system allows you to to well, it'll automatically adjust for it, but if, if you've seen our calibration readout that you can now get on your iPad, um, you can look and see by frequency or channel where the problems are in the room. Hmm. Then you can see in time, in milliseconds, where the problems arise. So run the calibrate, but adjust the EQ setting to where the time, and that's the trick. Mm-hmm. so we always run our cal run it just to see and and really we're not that once we see the room we adjust the calibration largely the time sorry i'm lagging a little on you yeah um,
0: sorry, i'm sorry afraid i'm afraid the uh, bandwidth in your hotel room might be might be choking a little bit there
1: yeah a little bit okay well, Calm down here and let it catch up. But That's the gist of it, really. Yeah, um understood. Working on phase, getting things going in time. Um, one sweet spot. Um, if you want to open the sweet spot up to a wider group, there's a bazillion T uh, DSP modes that we put in these products. Uh, turn one on and and you know do the sports arena or do what have you. Uh, we understand people don't want to do that as much as they used to. Uh, no, I sure don't. not Yeah, the emphasis is not there anymore. Um, we understand there's there's you know five-channel stereo is is a very popular surround format for music um, for us it's that encoded dolby dts high-definition surround format for blu-ray that we want the most accuracy um, we want to hit everything just right, hit that sweet spot in a multi-channel uh, sound field for mm-hmm. a wide variety of room environments, for a wide variety of speaker arrays. Um, I mean, we're having to compensate now for, uh, and I might be the only guy in the office who likes this height channel.
0: I like the <laughs> height channel. Yeah. Um,
1: uh, you know, it's a. It, and for me, it's a very cool thing in the video game world, not to change the subject too much.
0: But no, we've no, got to I calibrate understand. for that.
1: You know, and make sure that, that if you're going to do the height channel, that that we know how far away from, uh, you know, the from you the speakers are. Um, or you're going to be in a surround back configuration or you want to be in a front wide. You know, the, the the options in the multi-channel world, AV receiver world are, are getting uh, bigger and bigger. And, and I think better and better. Um, there's so many new formats out there there's so many different ways that you might want to set up your system that we give you all kinds of options. You can do front height or front wide and or back or b speaker or use your your seven channel surround back amps to drive the second zone mm-hmm. um, and as we move forward we 're going to give more and more options in that area. Um, uh, do
0: the, any of these new uh, receivers uh, do Dolby
1: ProLogic 2Z, which gives you the height channels if you want? I, I should have given them their due. The height channel is Dolby Pro Logic 2Z. All of them are um, uh, allowed that, whether in uh, the 7-channel receivers have it built in. Um, the 5.1-channel receivers um, have the decoders built in, and you can pre-out to an outboard amp to drive the height channel mm-hmm. um, or power speakers to do it that way.
0: Do you have also Odyssey DSX, which gives you the choice of wide, width, extra wide speakers, and or extra height speakers? No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Why yeah. not? Yeah, Odyssey, no. Nah, you know, um, I, I'm going to play nice. Um, MCACC is Pioneer's room calibration technology. We've had it for years. Course, it's been refined. And of course, and, and Odyssey the does their refinements. Yeah, and, and it's in direct competition with Odyssey. Um, uh, we appreciate what they're trying to do over there, but we don't think that the direction is correct. It, it, it there's, uh, for us, there's one sweet spot. There's not, it, it's not a wide sweet spot philosophy. So, um, you can you can measure up to six different sweet spot zones with our system, uh, and and put those into memory, name them, you know, lounge, uh, you know, Barco Lounger, center of the system, what have you. Um, but we're going to measure to one sweet spot.
0: Mm which is a philosophical choice, uh, not a technological limitation. Right, right. Huh, that's Uh, very interesting, because what they do is, as you mentioned earlier about uh, fuzzy logic, you know, they measure up to, I think, six or eight different locations and then kind of average them all together to get a good sound, presumably, uh, in the entire room. But you're saying that
1: you don't agree with that approach. We don't think that can be done. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just it's, it's, there 's just not enough, even if there were enough processing power and i 'm not even sure there is uh, to manage all of that all of those reflections, all of the uh, conditions uh, from the amplifier to the speaker to the preamp to the room. Um, the acoustics are just just far too sophisticated and complicated to manage that many ripples of water and create a smooth Uh, frequency response across a a wide area. You're going to compensate. You're going to have to give up uh, what we feel the critical sweet spot in the center um, to do that. Mm -hmm. So we can approach it the other way. Uh, We get it as as good as technology can today uh, for the one sweet spot, and it's going to sound better for the rest of the room. Sure.
0: Uh, F-Loop asks, uh, does the room correction... Uh, allow tweaking after calibration Uh, many systems don't once you once the auto calibration is done it's done but you might want to go in and say tweak the eq a little bit or the one of the delays or something Um, do you you allow for uh, after the fact uh, fine-tuning
1: absolutely yeah, we're we're going to set it up the way we feel like uh, it should be for a linear sweet spot in the center. But we also understand that the people are going to want to do different things. Um, you can adjust any any aspect of our room calibration uh, from the time alignment. You can you can adjust for standing waves. You can adjust for the phase. Um, um, you can adjust channel levels. You can adjust the distance, all on the fly from the remote on-screen display. Mm-hmm. Um, So the answer, that's a great question. And we think that's one of the big differences. Uh, It it brings me to something I've got to talk about. I know we're about to run out of time. Um, There's, uh, within our iControl AV2 application, um, we have a new technology called Finger EQ, And it literally allows you to draw the EQ curve with your finger on your iPad. uh, That's cool. um, Which is just, it's fun, it's cool to look at. But the other is it really just allows you a lot of control over, what you might be listening to at the time, and just do a, a on-the-fly EQ. Um, with all the years I've been with Pioneer, I hear it all the time. What happened to the EQ? Um, well, we brought it back. It's right there on your iPad, and it's really a, it's a cool way to just adjust and set things up the way you want them. Mm. Another feature I really really want to talk about that we're showing this year is is dovetails a little bit with Bluetooth compatibility and. Um, uh, iTunes and allowing more than one person to load music up at a time and play through the Bluetooth we call it Pioneer Air Jam it's an application that's on uh, our website uh, as of today you can download it Um, there's a demo mode that you can play around with see how it works Um, is this an
0: app as well or or something for a computer? this Uh is an app
1: Um, but it works completely through Bluetooth it allows up to four people to uh, Bluetooth connect to our receiver uh, the 1021 is where this technology starts mm-hmm. um and air jam it it allows four people to enter songs and create a party playlist so wow. the songs load up on the app mm-hmm. um anyone can override someone else's song if they if they yeah, dare how does do it, that
0: how does it choose how does it choose which one is it's going to play
1: well it's going to go in order of what when they've been added to the list Ah. But any one person could just add a song and say play now and the song is playing will, will shut down and play the next song. So <laughs> it, it, it is, the the term, the name of the app is very appropriate. It is Air Jam. It's, it allows people to get in and, and play music. You can be very civilized about it if you want and just let people add songs. Uh, or you can get in there and get a little rough. I don't like that. and. and uh, you know uh delete somebody's song and put yours in Um, you can really play with it it's 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 a very fun application we've had a lot of fun with it here in the hotel it's the first time we've really been able to play with um there you go
0: there it is wow it gives a whole new meaning to uh, remote wars huh
1: yeah yeah but you can see it's very colorful it's very fun um and really everyone's going to be nice you're going to add your songs and as the evening goes on, um, you know everyone's going to have a chance to play the some of their iTunes music um, on through your Bluetooth system um, through our receiver yeah another application i, I I've got to dive in and this isn't really this isn't an app from iTunes. this is just built into the ten twenty one receiver um, is what we call AV navigator. Um, we're showing pictures of the back panels of our high end AV receivers, and we understand. Um, that for the average consumer, this is really very intimidating. Very, um, so, I agree. <laughs> yeah, and we've been trying, but you know, we've got to be, we have to be prepared for any combination of connection. Is it composite? Is it component? Is it uh, uh, S video? In some cases, is it HDMI? What you know, so all of those inputs and outputs are still there. Um, but what this application allows us to do through the two-way network is for the receiver and your computer or an iPad. Um, to To have a two way communication, uh, it starts out with a speaker uh, with a system set up it, it, let me start over a second there's a there 's a ROM disk in the box. load it on your computer, um, send it over to your ipad and then as you 're setting up the system it 's going to ask you what do you have and then show you how to hook it up once you 've hooked everything up, um, you can do an interactive two way learning uh, session with the receiver, um, whether if you push a button on the receiver for um, phase control, for example, it's going to take you right to that portion in the owner's manual and explain it to you.
0: Wow. That's cool.
1: If you go to the owner's manual and you input um, MCACC, it's going to take you to our sound field technologies right in the owner's manual. Um, So a wire diagram an easy two-way um, communication of features, and then uh, a wiring, uh, a, a setup navigator that allows you, that walks you through the initial setup. So, so Sort of, uh, of like a wizard. It's a wizard. Uh, and um, we've played, it's fun. It's really easy to use. Um, um, you know, just, just tell our system what you've got, and what you want to do, and we'll walk you through how to set it up, and then what, what our uh, receiver is doing um, when you hit various buttons. It's, tell, it's me what this, cool.
0: tell me what this particular th- thing is called again. AV Navigator. Mm. It sounds wonderful. I can't wait to check it out myself. Unfortunately, yep. we've run out of time.
1: So, you said uh, this hour go quick. You're I right. did
0: say that, and I was right, <laughs> wasn't I? <laughs> I want to thank you so much for being on the show, David. Uh, this has been very informative, and uh, I know a lot of people are going to be looking forward to seeing these new value-added receivers come onto the market. When do you expect that, that they actually will be available in stores?
1: Uh, Thanks, Scott. Yeah, hey, we're we're shipping right now. So the uh, Ah. 521 and 821 will be there any day. Uh, The 921, 1021, uh, probably pulling into Long Beach Harbor right now. They'll unload them. We'll be uh, another week or two back. So um, definitely in March. Excellent. Um, Thank you so much, David. Hit our website. Everything's there. Uh, um, And um, uh, check out those new apps. Those demos are pretty cool. It will do. Thank you again. All right, Scott. Thank you. Okay, you can uh, obviously reach uh, uh,
0: Pioneer and read all about these new products at pioneerelectronics.com. My online homes are ultimateavmag.com and hometheater.com. You can email me at scott at twit.tv and follow me on Twitter at htgeekscott. Next week, my guest geek is scheduled to be Bob Williams, the chief product architect for RunCo. talking about the new d73d 3d projector which i'll be taking a close look at the following day in their oregon facility up there near portland so i'm really looking forward to that and getting a little bit of a sneak peek before i even get up there uh, with bob next monday so i sure hope you'll join me until then geek
1: out